Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of the brand new podcast, Action Packed, a podcast entirely about the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, right here on the FFSN College Football Network. We are thrilled to get this podcast going and talk all things ACC just before this 2023 football season gets going. So the host for this podcast, you might be wondering, my name is Corey Cohen. Uh, I am over at Pit Talk Network. Uh, we talk about things, all Pit Panthers. And we have got my partner in crime. Andy, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Andy Pregler. I am formerly of Bleacher Report and Noons Magician. Uh, currently host the Disloyal Idiots podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. Uh, talking all things Syracuse. I have my Syracuse Substack that I still write. Uh, comes out on Mondays throughout the college football season. Corey, I am super excited to spend at least one night a week with you chatting about all things ACC, not only because it is a conference that has grown near and dear to my heart, uh, RIP Big East, but also (laughs) because somehow the ACC has once again found itself at the center of the college sports world a step too late uh, as we talk about realignment as we talk about the games that are about to happen this week i feel like this is a great time to start this show if only because we have a very quintessential acc moment happening before our eyes yeah we're in another uh, another round of realignment and again as you just mentioned the acc may be a step behind uh so both of, of the schools that we cover were involved in this the last round Uh, Louisville was the last team that got in, but that was all, to me, essentially the same round. It was the Big East firmly collapsing. Pitt and Syracuse gets into the ACC, West Virginia to the Big 12. Uh, Then when Maryland and Rutgers go to the Big 10, then Louisville comes in, and and that has been the ACC for a while. It's been stable. It's been fine. Uh, And then the Big 10 decided to poach the L.A. schools, USC and UCLA, uh, thus completely kneecapping the Pac-12 who are now a pack four and may by the time that this podcast airs be a pack two because the pack <laughs> is essentially no more. Uh, the Washington and Oregon went to the big 10 along with the LA schools. Then the four corner schools went to the big 12 in some cases back to the big 12. And it's now left with just Stanford, Cal, Washington state, Oregon state. And even though they are on the opposite side of the country, they are as far away from the Atlantic coast as you could possibly be. Stanford and Cal and SMU uh, are looking like they are going to be entering the Atlantic coast conference that may have to change their name. Although it hasn't stopped the big 10, the big 12, it hasn't stopped anyone. So why start now? The, the Atlantic coast conference might just turn into the coastal conference. Or all uh, coast but that, conference, still ACC, right? Oh my gosh, Corey, you figured it out. You better trademark <laughs> that real quick. <laughs> get on uh, t-shirts. Exactly. Well, I, we can get into the new, as we were recording this, uh, my group chat with all of my Syracuse friends uh, has been blowing up because the new ACC slogan for the season just dropped that we will be seeing on ads across the ACC network uh, all season long. I it haven't seen this, so I got I got to hear that. You're going to break the news to me. We'll get my live reaction. Yeah. Uh, greatness is what we do. Uh, that is <sighs> that is the slogan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. 
Greatness is adding SMU to the conference. <laughs> All right. Okay. Greatness. That's that's what we do. So yeah, let's 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 get into this. Okay. So there there are two. There are four schools left in the pack. They yeah. are uh, or two of them are Oregon State, Washington State. I feel bad for them, but yeah. they they really don't bring much value to the table monetarily. Uh, they can have a lot of fun. Oregon State had a really good football team last year. Washington State has had good football. But let's be honest, they just don't add that much value. Uh, Stanford and Cal, football-wise, have not been good. Stanford was for a while there with, you know, Harbaugh and David Shaw and Christian McCaffrey running back and, and Andrew Luck. It, but it's been a little bit. Cal hasn't been good since maybe Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and it's it's kind of odd because football has been driving the decisions in all this conference realignment. And yet... A good chunk of what seems to be driving Calford, if you will, Cal and Stanford, um, are Olympic sports, yep. which Stanford especially are phenomenal at, and academics. And they're two of the, the best academic schools in the country, certainly in the Power Five. So that's been interesting. Yeah, I think it, if you're Stanford and Cal, joining a major conference is not just about giving the Olympic sports the opportunity to compete against the best of the best. It's also about ensuring that you have the revenue stream in order to support these Olympic sports that do cost a not insignificant amount of money to staff, to travel, uh, to coordinate all the things that go into running a program. It's not as expensive as a football team, but it's definitively not cheap. And there's not really a model where if you want to be an elite all around division one athletic program, there's not really a way to do that without having football revenue subsidize a good portion of your athletic budget. So I understand their desire to get into a conference. I understand Notre Dame's desire to try to like look out for this historic rival that they've had and that they've got a recurring game with, um, you know, go to, go to your good friends in the ACC and try to get them to bring your buddy, get your buddy in the door. I, I understand all those things. But for me, really, this does feel like the reason that the ACC is pursuing this so intently with even with the geographic mismatches, even with the fact that the revenue gains are not going to be that aren't going to be large enough to compete with what you're seeing in the big two conferences of the SEC and the Big Ten. The reason that you're doing this is because all three schools that we're talking about, SMU, Stanford and Cal, have all agreed to forego their TV revenue to create this new incentivized pot of money that the ACC will have. Uh, the most recent reports seem to indicate that the proposal on the table is that uh, is that Cal, Stanford, and SMU's TV revenues, uh, Cal and Stanford will each get a portion of it, SMU will forego their entire portion of it, and then you have this pool of about 25 to $30 million that will be divvied up to schools based on on-the-field performance. And the goal of this is naturally to create some sort of system for imbalanced revenue, which then allows Florida State and Clemson to be appeased for the time being, as they want a larger piece of the ACC pie. But for the ACC, it doesn't make any sense to incentivize these schools when they will jump at the first Big Ten or SEC invite that comes their way. So I, I understand all the things. It's rather annoying that this is all being driven from the fact that you've got these two schools in Clemson and FSU who feel as if they are in a different league of their own from the rest of the ACC, when the reality of it is that, yes, 
from a football perspective, they have been more successful historically. But recently, like Pitt has won the ACC more recently than Florida State. That's very like, true. I just want to throw that out there. Like Syracuse has had a 10-win season more recently than Florida State. <laughs> like this is these are these are just facts. And I'm sitting here and like uh, the the big issue that I have with it is that you know, an extra $20 million is not going to prevent Florida state from leaving. So is appeasing Florida state and Clemson worth this logistical headache that's about to be incurred. If you add these West coast teams. Um, And for me, I don't know the answer. The answer is I would like whatever allows the ACC to exist the longest period of time do that but it's not like we have a a crystal ball that very, like you were talking about the last round of realignment. It was really obvious. Get Syracuse, get Pitt, get Louisville. Those are the things that you need to do. It will keep the conference on equal footing with everybody else. I don't know if these moves do that. They definitely don't do it in the short term. And I'm skeptical if they do in the long term, but they might. So I guess we're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's really tricky. So you, you've got this scenario. I mean, first, financially, it's it's wild that it, it's kind of amazing. So there's there's a line in, in Oppenheimer where um, the, he, he says our only hope of defeating the Germans it comes down to one thing and say what? Anti-Semitism. And he just says it so plainly. The only hope of of the ACC making money in this and, and this alignment working is one word, and that's desperation. Stanford yes. and Cal are desperate. SMU is even more desperate. And because of the desperation of these programs, they are willing to not take money. Stanford and Cal, it'll be a percentage. SMU, literally nothing. They are not going to get a dime from TV money for, I think, at least seven years where they make nothing because they are desperate and they know what being in a power conference means. I was going to say power five. Now it's power four. They know what that means. It means if you win it, which – I don't think Stanford, Cal, or SMU could do, but, you know, maybe. They at least have a chance. If you win the conference, you're in the playoff. Not to mention you are getting way more money than you're going to get in the American, in whatever would happen to Stanford and Cal if they don't get in the ACC. So you're getting more money even with the percentage. You can figure it out. In SMU's case, they have boosters, Stanford and Cal. They've got huge endowments. And, I mean, they they can figure out the money, but they are desperate for relevance, and the ACC is still relevant. Now, we don't know if that'll be the case come 2030 or 2036 when the grant of rights is up. We have no idea. Um, But what we know is that they are relevant now. Maybe they don't have the the – the amount of money that the big 10 and the sec can throw around, but they are still relevant. They are still a power four conference and people want to be in that. And so even though uh, that, you know, that that's that they're going to be taking less money, it's still a good situation for them. I get why they want to do it for the ACC. It's tricky because on one hand, logistically, this is going to be a nightmare. The fact that you've got at student athletes who I feel so bad for, but that was thrown out the second, the big 10 took the LA schools it was over. It, yeah. it was all over that when they said, yeah, we're going to have uh, soccer players and volleyball players fly from Los Angeles to, to central Pennsylvania, to New Jersey, to Maryland. Like it was over. It, this is not about them. They are getting the short end of the stick. Even if they have private planes, it doesn't matter. It, it sucks for them. That's that it just does. And that's going to be a headache. If Stanford and Cal come in to a lesser extent SMU, but still difficult. 
but uh, so so there's there's there are reasons to not necessarily do it, but the reasons that the ACC wants many of the ACC teams want to do it and probably will do it. They're going to get extra money. As you said, it's not going to be enough to to be at the level of the Big Ten or the SEC, but it will be a solid, you know, addition. We're not entirely sure how it'll be divvied up yet. I think Florida State wants it to be by TV ratings because they draw a bunch of viewers, even though the success on the field hasn't been there. Uh, Clemson, I think, is fine either way uh, because they have been, you know, really successful in the field. Florida State, as you said, not so much. But so so it'll be somewhere in there. I personally think it should be on the field success. I think that's fair. If you do better, you get the money. Fine. Uh, so there's a reason you you get more money from there because they're willing to accept less, and there is an automatic increase that ESPN is going to pay the ACC if they add these schools. In addition to that, there's been some concern that if Clemson, Florida State, maybe some other schools leave in the future that if it drops below their current number, that then ESPN could open up the contract and say, we want to give you less money for your TV rights. And I think they're worried about that. And ultimately, if the ACC is worried about survival, the numbers are helpful. If you just have, if you, you know, you've got people there, you got schools in the conference that should protect you enough. Or even if you lose Florida state, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, and maybe even two, like you still have something there, but I think those four tend to be the names thrown around the most uh, in terms of leaving. And if you lose those four, you could survive. You pick up these three, maybe you can poach one more, turn something, maybe something happens. I still think this is a little premature because I think the grant of rights is pretty darn solid. I don't think anyone's getting out of it super early without paying a King's ransom. And I don't think anyone, it's an exorbitant amount that they just don't have. If Florida state had it, they'd be gone. They want to be out. If they could get out of it without going broke, they would do it. They can't, maybe they can do it a little before 2036, but not that much that not that much more. So I do think it's a bit premature, but I'm not necessarily upset at the move. It, it just feels like they're doing these things now. I know we said that they're maybe a bit a step behind, but it does feel like they're kind of doing these things now because they're worried about what might happen in the 2030s, which is wild, but that's, that's the world we live in. Right. And I think the reason that we say that they're a step behind is because, you know, the first time that this realignment happened, Pitt and Syracuse were in a response to, what the Big Ten and the SEC were doing uh, with Nebraska, Colorado, and all of those schools. This time around, again, we're talking about a response to something that the Big that the Big Ten did. And I, it sounded like uh, if you read the report, if for those that don't have an athletic subscription, uh, the Athletic did a lot of in-depth reporting around the collapse of the Pac-12, and it sure sounded as if Washington and Oregon to the ACC with Cal and Stanford had been on the table uh, as early as 2021. And obviously the move never materialized, but it was something that the ACC was talking about because the elephant in this entire discussion is that the ACC immediately becomes relevant if Notre Dame joins as a football member. And there are a ton of financial reasons mostly tied to their NBC deal, why that hasn't happened yet. But I do think as this process continues to un, uh, uh, you know unfurl itself, we're seeing that NBC is going to have 
non-Notre Dame football games airing on Saturdays. And I do think there's a non-zero chance we start to see the mystique of the NBC Notre Dame contract wear off a bit. And we still don't know if college rights are going to go up as high as they are right now. Like cable is we could we could have an entirely separate podcast (laughs) about the future of cable and sports rights and live TV and who is and who is not watching sports. The, The whole industry is at an inflection point. And I'm not upset that the ACC is the one conference that has stability. The the Big Ten and the SEC will all have their rights and the Big 12 will all have their rights go up before the grant of rights expires. And I don't think that that's the worst thing in the world, because if this whole thing does implode, the ACC has security in a way that these other conferences don't. Um, But obviously, if things continue to go the way they are, the ACC is going to need to get Notre Dame into the conference in order to ensure that Clemson and FSU don't bolt by the time the grant of rights becomes an affordable exit opportunity right because really they both in the future and in the past things could have gone one of two ways i mean in the past it could have been say the acc picks off oregon washington cal and stanford after the la schools leave for the big 10 and you've got a solid four four teams in the west maybe you add notre dame something like that happens another possibility is when texas and oklahoma left the big 12 and they were teetering on the edge people forget now the pack 12 is dead. The big 12 was the one that was about to die. Yeah. And they essentially got bailed out here, but there could have been a a situation where instead of this, the ACC could have picked off West Virginia. They could have added Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, whatever. Maybe they could have even gone further West and added Kansas and something like that and taken down the big 12 and the big 12 would have been torn apart for parts, just like the pack ended up being that didn't happen. In the future, I could see a scenario where they try to convince Notre Dame to come on board. They give them an absurd cut of the fees and whatever uh, of the payout. Notre Dame joins Clemson and Florida State decide to stay. The ACC is in a great position and they've got these marquee programs. I could also see that Notre Dame will never join a conference or if they do, that they will do whatever it takes to join the Big Ten because – that's going to be if that becomes one of two marquee conferences that's where they want to be and then clemson fsu bolt north carolina virginia bolt and then the big 12 picks off a couple of the acc remaining schools and especially some of the smaller acc schools boston college wake forest they might just get stuck and that would suck i like i that would be terrible so i think everything that the acc is doing is to prevent that from happening as you, you and I both agree, we want the ACC to survive for a very long time. We want uh, the ACC to to thrive. And even if it's not going to be at the level of the Big Ten and the SEC in terms of money or exposure or whatever, you still want it to exist. You still want it to be fun. You still want it to be a power conference. We want there to be a power four. Uh, we don't want this to be a, yeah. a monopoly <laughs> or, or a duopoly. So I, there, there's a lot of reasons – uh, that I can see why they're doing this. Is it ideal? No, it is far from ideal. Um, it, so in some, they don't fit geographically. They don't fit culture. Part of me wishes that they could work out a trade with the Big Twelve, like a sign and trade NBA style, where the <laughs> Big Twelve they take Stanford, Cal, and SMU, and then the ACC takes from them West Virginia, UCF, and Cincinnati. You call it even, 
and the ACC is still generally along the Eastern Seaboard. You got three programs that fit the general vibe of the ACC, and it's it's a good thing. UCF isn't stranded on an island away from the Big 12. ACC doesn't have to fly across the country. That'd be a great marriage. That would make a lot of sense. But college football realignment doesn't make sense, so that's not going to happen. No, and I feel like that's a I feel like that's a great bow on this conversation because the entirety of this era is you know, an Atlantic Coast conference having teams in California, a Big 12 conference having 16 teams. Like it just it nothing nothing matters in college football except the games themselves. And it's it's rather frustrating, but it but it is unfortunately the reality. Um, but on that note, we we have this opportunity now to actually talk about some games that are going to be taking place. We're going to take a quick break here for uh, you know, pay the bills a little bit. We're we're new on this show, but we still gotta, you know, still gotta throw in some ads. And when we come back, Corey's gonna have a great opportunity, thanks to our friends at Fans First Sports Network. All right, we are back. Now we've got an exciting contest that Fans First Sports Network is rolling out. Attention, everyone. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Probably. Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Definitely. So you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets. That is absolutely free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are incredibly simple. You go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com. You fill out the appropriate information. That is it. Once you've done that, you're officially registered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. So what are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot to see your favorite team in action week one. The contest ends on September 4th. Again, you can enter contest.fansfirstsports.com. We are so grateful that Fans First Sports Network is here, that we are on the platform, and they are offering this contest uh, to listeners because it's really exciting. Yeah, so this Andy, is an amazing opportunity. <laughs> absolutely. So Andy, that, we, we've talked about realignment, and we're probably going to talk about it again if slash when it becomes official that those members join. But we're we're so close now. We are mere hours away from the kickoff of the 2023 college football season. I just want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about realignment. I don't want to talk about TV contracts. I want to talk about football. And thank goodness we actually have some coming up. So let's get into it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the ACC games that we have in week one. There is a good majority of teams that are playing FCS or non-Power 5 opposition. Those teams are Wake Forest, who are facing Elon, Miami, who is facing Miami of Ohio. Uh, we've got Syracuse playing Colgate. Boston College has Northern Illinois. Pittsburgh is facing Wofford. Uh, Virginia Tech is facing Old Dominion. All of also, those games either also- have... No also, lines yeah. or are double digit or double digit uh, favorites to the ACC teams. There's also one more NC State playing UConn, uh, formerly brethren of ours in in the old Big East. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is a 14 point line NC State favored. I, I yeah. think they should be all right there. Yeah, I think that all of those games we'll talk about these teams next week as they roll into like their more competitive non-conference schedules. Uh, but there are some power five on power five action, including a lot of really marquee games that ACC schools are going to be a part of that. We'll wrap this preview up with, 
but we want to start with talking about Louisville and Georgia Tech. That game is taking place Friday night. That game is going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, it's part of the Aflac kickoff game. It's basically a home game for Georgia Tech. Uh, Louisville is favored by a touchdown here. And you've got two schools that I think our, for all intents and purposes, have new coaches. Louisville actually has a new coach uh, that's coming in and uh, and coaching the program. Georgia Tech made a coaching change midstream last year. They've they've elected to hold on to the interim coach for the remainder of this season. Uh, I think that we can safely say that these are two programs that we don't expect to be in the top half of the conference. But they both have interesting upside based off of what we've seen in the past. I'm more high on Louisville than I am on Georgia Tech. Uh, but I, I am interested in what Georgia Tech does in this big opportunity. You know, Coach Keys uh, playing. This is his first big marquee moment. He's had a full offseason. Georgia Tech is recruiting well. But when you look at this roster, uh, according, you know, uh, they're only returning 12 starters total. Seven of those are on a defensive unit that wasn't very good last year. Uh, most of their offensive weapons are gone. I think Louisville, even with all this transition, they should handle this one pretty easily. I agree. I, I think both programs are going to struggle this year. They're, they're transition years. It's interesting because this is a pretty rare instance where both teams are coached by essentially local sons. And so you've got uh, Jeff Brom, who is uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, who's now the head coach at Louisville, um, and and he played at Louisville. And then on the other end, you've got Brent Key, who, again, he was the interim coach last year. Now, he wasn't uh, uh, born in Atlanta, but he did play at Georgia Tech and uh, spent – you know, a good chunk of his career. He started his career as a, as a coach at Georgia tech. He was uh, an assistant on the staff of Jeff Collins at Georgia tech. So a pretty cool moment for both of them where they are now as full fledged hedge coach head coaches leading the programs that they played for. I think that's a pretty cool moment. Uh, I agree. I think Louisville in this one uh, should be able to get the victory. Uh, I know Georgia tech is again, essentially playing a home game, uh, but I, I just don't think the talent is there yet for Georgia Tech. I like Brent Key for that program, but I, I do think Louisville is able to jumpstart some things. I think they they come off with a win on Friday night. Uh, but you know, pretty exciting that there's conference action coming up right off the bat in, in week one. That should be a fun game. Yeah, I think I think it'll be – there's a potential here that this game ends up being close for a good 50, 55 minutes or so. Uh, and I think that's what we're all kind of rooting for here. But I think there's also a non-zero potential that if uh, if Jack Plummer is what Louisville thinks he can be, if Jawar Jordan uh, at running back for Louisville can be what they want him to be, I think Louisville just has the skill positions on offense to, to potentially win this one by more than seven points, which is right where the line is set. So uh, I, think, I think that that all kind of lines up. And another game that, I don't think anybody anticipates to be all that competitive. Uh, UVA is headed down to Knoxville to play uh, the Tennessee number 12 ranked Tennessee volunteers, Tennessee, a 28 point favorite over UVA. Uh, This is not the ideal situation for a Virginia (laughs) program that had obvious tragedy strike. The program last season disrupted a lot of what they did. Um, But this is I 
I think we are both in agreement here. This is probably the weakest team in the ACC this season. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, part of it is on on the field. Virginia did have one year that they, they won the Coastal back when the Coastal was still a thing. Uh, but for the most part, this has not been a prolific football program. And then obviously, as you mentioned, uh, they had that horrific um, shooting uh, toward uh, the later part of last season. They canceled the rest of the season. Uh, and so it was a premature end uh, for the 2022 year as they won the loss of their teammates. Uh, as you said, a difficult way to start things off. I think just getting on the field is going to be so emotional for them and such a victory for them uh, that they were able to endure that, that, that that's, that's the win right there. And you, you kind of wish that the game that they were playing was against an FCS team. They could go out there and it wouldn't be too difficult and they'd be in front of their home fans and get a win. That's not going to be the case here. They're thrown right into the gauntlet. It's going to be tough. Um, but Again, the fact that they're getting on the field is is great. I think this game won't be close. I don't think Virginia is going to be uh, incredibly relevant on the football field this year. It's going to be a struggle. But uh, just seeing them coming back after their season ended so abruptly and horrifically last year, uh, I think that'll be a really special moment to see them take the, the field down in Knoxville. Yeah, I, I, it's a situation where Tony Elliott in his second year we saw that the Brennan uh, Armstrong experiment just did not work without uh, Robert and I and without the full buy into that system. Uh, Armstrong is now at NC State, uh, reunited with Anai after his stint at Syracuse. I think that this is a team that last year would have been called the rebuilding year, but this is truly the rebuilding year for, for UVA. This is kind of the the tear it all down and see what you got year. And then maybe next year we start to see some momentum here, but uh, they've, uh, they've got a rough, I think one of the things that you should be on the watch out, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Uh, they're playing James Madison uh, at home, James Madison making uh, their jump to division one. And that is a program that historically has always wanted to win the Virginia games very badly. I would put, UVA on upset watch next week, um, depending on what happens in this Tennessee game, if they come out of it um, injured goal, goal for this game is just stay healthy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and focus on James Madison. You you really don't want to lose to them in your home state, your first home game the next week. Yeah. Ex yeah. Uh, now we're starting to get into the, the meat and potatoes of the, of the ACC slate. Uh, we've got, UNC and South Carolina, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. If you're a fan of College Game Day, this is where the ESPN crew is going to be setting up shop uh, Saturday morning. This one is the Duke's Mayo Classic at Charlotte uh, at Bank of America Stadium, the Carolina Panthers Stadium. The 21st-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels taking on a South Carolina team that upset Clemson, really came on strong at the end of the year. Uh Corey, I don't know about you, but for me, this game is Drake May versus Spencer Rattler, and that is a heck of a week one on Trey to dig into. Oh, it's going to be phenomenal. And, uh, you know, this is a great rivalry um, that, that you want to be played more. It's one of those secondary rivalries um, because, obviously, with South Carolina and Clemson, that's the rivalry, and then North Carolina, Duke, they've got their own thing, uh, as well as UNC with NC State and all that. But 
this is a fun one. North Carolina versus South Carolina. It's, again, that secondary rivalry that you love to see in this sport. And it's really fun that it's going to be kicking off the season. As you said, two phenomenal quarterbacks. Uh, big names, Spencer Rattler, Drake May. Uh, I think Drake May is going to have a really good year. I think he's on a mission to prove himself. I think he wants to be a high draft pick. I think uh, he looks out uh, on the West Coast. Um, he sees what's happening at UNC. Uh, not UNC, USC, excuse me. Uh, he, he uh, you know, mixing them up. It's so funny, by the way. This is a weird tangent. Uh, you, when you hear USC, do you think uh, South Carolina or Southern Cal? I, I think I think Trojan men. I do not think Gamecocks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm 100 the same. Okay, so we we're we're agreed. So I think he's looking to a USC, the other USC, with Caleb Williams. He's the the golden boy. He's the future Patrick Mahomes. He's the number one pick. I think that's going to put a ch- a chip on Drake May's shoulder. I think he wants to go out there, prove that he could be the top quarterback that comes out of next year's draft class i think he's going to put up a great year i think it starts here uh looking at the line north carolina two and a half point favorites on the road uh, i think it should be a thrilling game a great way to start the year as you said it's in charlotte so right on the border there uh i i do think unc i think that's a good line i think unc by right around three uh but unc predicted to be one of the the top teams in the acc i can absolutely see why quarterback's the most important position in sports and i think drake may is the real deal yeah, you uh, UNC is 25th in Bill Connolly's SP plus rankings, which are predictive versus South Carolina, which is 33rd. So UNC has a slight edge. The the biggest question that I have, well, there's two questions with UNC, and they're all it's always the same two questions. Uh, the first is is on the defense. They're returning eight starters from a unit that did struggle last year, and uh, to get they. The, the magic number for them is 360. Will they allow more or less than 360 yards per game this season? Um, this was a, this is a mark that they haven't hit in over a decade. It is defense has not been their strong suit. And I think it's, I think that they desperately need to uh, improve on the defensive front. If they're going to challenge in the ACC on the offensive side of the ball, Drake may is fantastic. Not disagreeing with you there. Drake may needs to throw it to somebody and that wide receiver group right now is a bunch of question marks. They're relying on Devontae uh, Walker, uh, the, the Kent State transfer, to be the number one receiver. And, and no disrespect to Walker, he's coming from a Kent State program whose head coach, Sean Lewis, got hired away by Deion Sanders to go be the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Uh, I think that Kent State underrated offense, underrated MAC team last year. But if you're UNC... And you've got this Heisman hopeful of a quarterback and your best option is a 6'3", 180-pound transfer from the MAC to, to be his number one target. I really – I hope that they have a lot of faith in the rest of that receiver room because it's a lot of small, fast guys. They're going to have to really scheme up a good offense around May in order to get guys open because he's not going to have that safety valve of – the bigger, stronger guy to throw the ball to. And it does worry me, uh, but I do think that that South Carolina, uh, they're 61st in defensive S&P+. Plus. Uh, I, I do not think that Drake May is going to have a problem in this game. I think Drake May might have a problem once the heart of the ACC schedule comes rolling around and you're playing against some of the best front sevens in all of college football in Florida State and, and Clemson this year. 
Yeah, they, they've got a tough schedule. And not to mention week four. I don't want to hype up my, my own school, but week four coming up against Pitt. Pitt sort of known defensively, especially front seven, yep. getting after the quarterback. Uh, I yeah, I think it's 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 going to be an interesting challenge for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think this week they should be able to make it out. But it'll be very interesting to see if North Carolina can live up to the hype moving forward uh, this season. So there are two more interesting games we want to talk about. Do you want to go with the more marquee one uh, that is? Uh, the chronologically coming up on Sunday, or should we hold the marquee one to the end? Let's talk Clemson Duke right now before right. we talk about the big, the big game, mostly because I think that Clemson Duke is, is a really interesting game. If only because we have questions about Duke and not so much Clemson. Um, I am a big believer in what Clemson has this year. I think that they're the best team in the ACC. I think that they are a team that is going to be annoyingly dominant all season long, uh, but they're going up against a Duke team that surprised everybody last year. They're going up against a Duke team on the road and Clemson and Dabo are not necessarily known for starting the season on fire. Um, I'm not saying I'm putting Clemson on upset watch here, but I am saying that the line of 13 points does feel a bit optimistic unless Dabo really decides to take the kids kid gloves off uh, and let UNC really run all over Duke because Duke has 10 returning starters on offense and 10 re- and eight returning starters on defense. And this is a team that went nine and four last year. Like this is a very experienced Duke team that you have to open the season with on the road. Uh, and, that is typically a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's uh, Duke is definitely better than people give them credit for. I'm in agreement with you. I, I think I really believe in, in Clemson. We're going to talk about what we think happens in the ACC championship game. I do think they might start slowly. Uh, that said, I, I, I really like Kate Klubnick. I think that was a, a necessary move that Dabo Sweeney made toward the end of last year to go all in on club Nick. Uh, and I, I think it was smart. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback, but he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time. He played toward the very end of last season. This is going to be his first game. Again, Duke returning a lot of good players. I think he'll have some trouble. It is weird. Just looking at the names Clemson and Duke and seeing that Clemson is only a 13 point favorite. Uh, when you think about the programs, but I think that's, pretty solid I, I do think Clemson is going to struggle a bit out of the gate and I think Duke's a solid team I think Clemson wins by yeah probably around two touchdowns uh, but I think Duke can definitely put up a good fight as as Clemson takes their time really rolling in yeah I I am a big believer in club Nick I'm a big believer in that front seven for Clemson especially um, I know that, you know, some of the names on the coaching sidelines are going to be the same that I think the biggest story with Clemson as well is in the coaching, uh, in the coaching ranks, uh, they went out and they got, you know, the hot name coordinator to take over the offense. They're attempting to make a change in a way that Dabo has never done before. Um, Garrett Riley is the, you know, the architect of TCU's breakout last year. He's now going to have all of the resources that Clemson does, and he's going to have high expectations on him and on this offense. If he can do what people say he can do, I think that this Clemson offense is going to reach a level that we haven't seen 
in a while. Um, but I also think that, you know, this Duke team might not necessarily be the opponent where you break out all the bells and whistles in, in week one. You're probably saving something for the big Florida State matchup uh, in week five. Uh, just get through the first four weeks of the season healthy without showing too much. Um, but I do think that this game could end up being a lot closer than the spread indicates. I, I would not take Clemson in the points, but I don't think Clemson is going to lose this game. Yeah, agreed. So now there's, there's one more game Sunday night. It's everyone with no NFL. These are going to be where the eyeballs are. Let's talk about LSU and Florida State. I'm so excited for this game. I think that it is legitimately one of the best college football regular season openers that we've had in a very long time, mostly because for both teams, we saw this last year, uh, they want to win this game. They're both evenly matched opponents. But if you're LSU and FSU, you have playoff aspirations. And losing this game means that you have no margin of error for the rest of the year. And you both are facing really tough conferences, really tough opposition. And the path to the playoff becomes infinitely harder if you lose this game. Um, for From the ACC side of things, I get why FSU is getting all the hype. They have some tremendous individual players and playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, LSU is just a fantastic overall team. And I think this game is really going to come down to Jordan Travis. Uh, we One of the big knocks that I had on him going into last season was that the Jordan Travis that I had seen would too oftentimes try to make the hero play either with his legs or his arms. And last year we saw Jordan Travis who learned how to take the check down, learned how to be smart with the ball and with his legs more often than not, not to say that he was perfect, um, but he's got another year of development. Mike Norvell is an incredibly talented head coach uh, from a schematic standpoint. I don't, I think that Jordan Travis's development, if it takes another step forward, puts him into the tier of the Caleb Williams and the Drake Mays where you're suddenly looking at a guy who's going to be challenging for the Heisman. Yeah. I mean, it, it on one hand, that sounds a little presumptive, but I I'm in agreement. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he can do a ton with that program. I do think they will be really good. Uh, I think right now, preseason wise, I think they might be the best team in the ACC because I think Clemson will take a little bit more time. Uh, so now, obviously, because of the competition, Florida State might be the best team in the ACC and lose week one against LSU. But I do think they're really strong. Jordan Travis coming back. I, I do believe in him. Uh, I agree. Mike Norvell's legit. You talked earlier about Florida State and having not won in, in years. Um, and that's very true. And it's not because they didn't have the Big Ten or the SEC money. It's not because of the conference they're in. It's because they just didn't have the right coach. After Jimbo Fisher left, they just couldn't get the right coach to make that a good program. I think Mike Norvell is the guy. I think he's very good. I like Jordan Travis. Uh, this game should be, again, absolutely fascinating. Uh, played down there. Uh, right now, ooh, I think... And by the way, we're we're hoping that the game goes on because there's a hurricane approaching Florida, yeah. so we're not 100% sure. But assuming it goes on, um, I, th I think LSU might prevail, especially if, depending on weather, if it's raining, if it's windy and they play it, Jordan Travis might be neutralized a bit. I don't know. I would take LSU by 
a field goal, which I get. I just realized is what they're they're favored by two and a half. Yep. So I know I'm I'm being very like pushy in this one. I think it'll be a phenomenal game. I'll say that. I would not be at all surprised if Florida State won. I think either way, it's probably about a field goal. I'd say I take LSU by a field goal, but I think it'll be a great one. Yeah, I'm I'm on the opposite side. I think that the player of this game is going to be Jared Verse. Uh, he is somebody who I think has the potential to be an Indomitian Sioux type impact player on the line where he is able to kind of lead the defense from the front instead of the back. Um, he's somebody who I think is got the potential to go in the top five of the NFL draft this upcoming year. I'm, I'm really high on this guy. If you're going to win a game like this, if it's going to be rainy, if it's going to be rough conditions, you want a guy like that on your side of the ball. LSU has the better overall team. I just think that FSU has the better playmaker on both sides of the ball. And I will give Florida State the edge there because of that fact. But like you, I, I do not think that the winning margin of this game is more than three points either way. I, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. Absolutely. 100% agree. And it's just so refreshing. There's going to be a top 10 matchup in week one in non-conference play. That's what's fun about non-conference. And so yeah. many teams these days, they shy away from that. They don't want to face tough competition. We're seeing a lot of teams, including our teams, playing FCS opponents. This is what we love about the non-conference. And I think it's really exciting. They're going to they're gonna play this. Uh, before we go, Andy, we want to do some rankings here and, and some predictions. Uh, so we, we're going to power rank. For this episode, since we've sort of talked about a smattering of these programs, uh, we're going to do a top five. Top five power rankings in the ACC. And then we're going to talk about what we think will happen in terms of which two teams make the ACC championship game and who goes on to win it. Uh, do you want to start? Do you want to go back and forth? How do you want to do this? Um, I think I think we can kind of go back and forth here and starting from the top down because I think you and I both have uh, a, our one and twos are the same. I think they're just different one and twos um, because I have Clemson at number one and Florida State at number two. I think when push comes to shove, uh, I talked about how Florida State has Jordan Travis and Jared Verse. Uh, I think if you look at Clemson, they have Will Shipley at running back uh, and on defense, they have Tyler Davis uh, as well as. Uh, Barrett Carter in that linebacker room. I, I I just really, I love who Florida State has on a playmaking side. This Clemson team can match them in that regard. And I think that Clemson has a slightly deeper team uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and that's ultimately why I'm favoring Clemson in the, in the opening power rankings at the top of my ACC conference. Yeah. And again, as you said, uh, it, I'm sort of flipped. I think right now, Florida State is probably better Again, they very well may lose week one. I just think that they start off a bit stronger. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State is able to go down to Death Valley uh, on September 23rd and beat Clemson. Uh, we're At the very end, we'll talk about who we think wins the ACC. Um, and so I'm not going to say that, uh, that Florida <laughs> State's going to stay number one. I think right now they are with Clemson number two. Who do you have uh, number three? I think it has to be UNC. I think that there's yeah, a good same. case to be made for a bunch of different schools here, but Drake may uh, gives UNC a level of upside that none of these other schools really have. I agree. I think in uh, UNC uh, Drake may, I think he's really going to be, have a great campaign this year. I, th I think that's a pretty obvious number three, uh, four and five. I think there might be some wiggle room there. Who do you have at four? At four? I, I have your pit Panthers. Uh, I think that, 
Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Phil Dracovich. I am a big fan of that defense. Uh, I think that when you look at, at Pitt's schedule, uh, it definitely broke their way in terms of, of getting like this new singular ACC, no more divisions. Pitt definitely came out ahead when it came to, you know, home and away, who you're playing, where when the big games take place. Um, so I, I think that Pitt is going to end up challenging for a spot in the ACC title game. I don't know if they'll actually get there, um, but I do think just in terms of talent alone, uh, Pitt probably has the best non-Clemson Florida State defense in the conference. Um, and they are def- I think a lot of people are going to refer to the Clemson and Florida State defense on like a tier of its own when Pitt could very easily be in that same level. Like I, I think that they're just as good. Um, it's just that Florida State and Clemson have a much deeper roster of blue chips and they each have some higher end NFL talent. Right. I think I- I'm actually in agreement. I've got Pitt at number four as well. Uh, I I do think that, yeah, there are some bigger names recruiting wise at those schools, uh, but Pitt is able to turn two and three stars into superstars. Aaron Donald, Kalijah Kansi this past year, number one, you know, first overall, first round draft pick. Uh, I I agree. I think the defense is going to be excellent. Dracovic, I'm not necessarily sold on, but I do think he'll be an improvement over last year with Keaton Slovis. Uh, who I thought was sort of an anchor on this team. It just weighed yeah. them down. And so I, I think at the very least that will improve things, even losing uh, Jared Wayne at wide receiver, Israel Abanakanda at running back. I think they will get at least to their record last year, uh, maybe a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's funny that we're in agreement that, uh, that, that Pitt is four. And then who is your fifth team in the power ranking? I I am placing against my better judgment. I'm I'm putting NC State up here. Wait, so um, am I. That's very funny. Oh, that's amazing. So then we both left Miami off the top five. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I can't. I I'll believe it when I see it. Yes, I, that's the problem with NC State is that whenever you put expectations on NC State, they will inevitably let you down. So mm-hmm. I am fully ready for that to happen this year. But Miami has let me down a lot more. I don't know if Cristobal can figure it out uh, in Miami because last year he was supposed to have figured it out and he didn't. Um, so again, show me this year. Uh, and the difference is that NC State, you've got Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I together. You know, we saw what Armstrong could do in an NI system at UVA. Um, I saw what Anai did last year at Syracuse and it was take a anemic offense and turn it into a very efficient innovative unit with very minimal talent um and so i i definitely think that nc state which is another program that very historically gets a lot more out of its three and four stars than other programs do um i i think that they've got a good coaching handle going on down there right now i think that they're going to be pretty solidly in the eight win territory i don't know if they're going to get to 10 wins um, but I think that they're good. They're kind of like that, that high watermark for the Miamis, the Louisville's, the Dukes, the wakes, like, can you, can you surpass NC state? Because that's kind of, that's like, I think the top four that we had, those are your contenders for the ACC title game. NC state is kind of the cutoff of like, uh, the, the, to borrow a phrase from, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, the coldest, the cul-de-sac of the ACC it starts at NC state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm as you said. I mean, we're we're both in agreement there. Number five, uh, I I like that that reunion. Um, I, I think Brennan Armstrong will have a good year. I know with expectations, but for me, it's kind of just process of elimination. Is is I don't 
I just don't believe in Miami yet. They can prove it to me, but I'm I'm just in wait and see mode with them. Uh, meanwhile, I like Duke. I they they do bring back a lot of experience, but I just I don't know if I can put them at five yet. And then outside of that, I mean Louisville, Wake, Syracuse. Like I, I think they can all be good, but I just I don't yeah. think they're going to be right at the top there. Uh, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think there's a bit of a drop off after the top four. Uh, maybe NC State or Miami can can surprise and, and jump in there and really compete to win the conference. I don't see it right now. Uh, so right now, sort of in a close race between NC State, Duke, Miami. Right now, I'm going to go NC State. Uh, I, I think they've got a really good coach. I think they've got some good talent. Uh, and we'll see. But, you know, it's still it, – we, we haven't seen any football yet. And that's the beautiful thing that, in again, in just a few hours, depending on when you're listening to this, we'll uh, we'll be watching some ACC football. I'm so excited to f- talk about real football. And since it is week one, since it is the time of the hot takes and the predictions, uh, Corey, it's time for us to talk about who we think is going to be in the ACC title game. Uh, I think both of us like our number one and number two picks yeah. uh, to potentially get to the title game. I guess the question for you that I have is who is going to that title game undefeated if any of them are? And who comes out the victor uh, in the expected Florida State uh, Clemson rematch uh, that will take place in Charlotte? So here's what I'm kind of imagining. I'm imagining that Florida State can go into Death Valley and beat Clemson. I think there's a chance they go undefeated in the ACC. Uh, Meanwhile, they might have even two losses in the non-conference because they've got LSU and then you never know what happens in a rivalry game. They're at Florida to close out the season. Uh, so they could have two losses, none of them being in the ACC. Uh, I think Clemson, they, they've got North Carolina on the schedule, which I think is going to be a really tough out. Uh, Florida state does have at Pitt, so that'll be tough, but uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, Clemson, North Carolina, that might be tricky. Uh, I think Florida state goes in, with I think maybe there's a chance they both go in with one loss, but Florida State would have the tiebreak because of the win. But coming into the ACC championship game, I think with the experience they have at coach uh, with, with Dabo Sweeney, I think the, the fan base, the Clemson fans, I know Florida State fans travel like nuts. The Clemson fans, it's basically a home game for them in Charlotte. Um, their tickets are already booked. I think they're going to drive out. I think by then Kate Klubnick is going to be fully legit i think he'll be basically as good as jordan travis perhaps and i think in that acc championship i think clemson wins it over florida state that's my prediction yeah i'm with you i don't think that florida state goes into this game undefeated they have too many pitfalls with the team that is still yet to prove that it is a dominant team uh this is you know this is not a team that I think runs the table, uh, but I think that they're going to be one of the best teams in college football this year. I'm very high on Clemson. My, my biggest concern with Clemson is that with a new OC, we normally see that, especially early in the season, uh, there can be some kinks that need to get worked out as everyone's learning the system and getting familiar with it. And Clemson's best, toughest uh, games are all stacked in the beginning part of this year. Um, then, you know, part, part of me is a little bit wish fulfilling here, but like Clemson has really struggled with Syracuse for some reason. And they play Syracuse on the road up in Syracuse the week after the Florida state game, which is the definition of a trap game. Um, and so I just don't know if Clemson goes through the schedule undefeated as well. 
I think at the end of the year, if you were to give me these two teams that have gone through the gauntlets, I'm probably going to like Clemson a little bit more than I like Florida State. So I'm going to stick. I'm going to go with you. I think Clemson wins it in Charlotte, but it would not surprise me in in classic ACC fashion if both of these teams end up with at least a loss on the year and therefore a ACC champion with a loss or two losses is locked out of the playoff in favor of a one loss insert your favorite big 10 or sec school here if the pac-12 sends an undefeated champion uh or big 12 sends an undefeated champion forward yeah i could definitely imagine that uh definitely the pac-12 which seems like usc may run away with it then you've got the big 10 champ the sec champ uh and if there's just one spot left i could imagine a big 12 champion maybe even a second sec school in there uh the acc could get shut out uh but it'll be interesting with with Florida State and Clemson sort of on that collision course, and that's yep. not to say if North Carolina or Pitt crashes the party, but if those two are are playing at a high level and they split the series, it's it's going to be tough unless one of them runs the table. Maybe has a close loss, say if uh, Clemson has a close loss to Florida State in the regular season but then beats them in the ACC championship, and, and other than that, they're undefeated. I think they probably get in. But there's there's small room for error. This conference uh, and the teams in it can be disrespected uh, sometimes, and uh, there's little room for error. So whoever is going to carry the banner for the ACC, uh, they cannot afford to make many mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I it's going to be a great season. I'm really excited to spend it chatting with you once a week and and chatting with all of our listeners who will. You know, if you're if you're listening to this for the first time, please give us some feedback. You know, let us know what you think of the show. We're both really big fans. We love our teams. We love this conference, and we're we're really excited to uh, do this at least once a week uh, throughout the entire season. I, I think it's going to be a great time. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's going to be really fun. Um, our episodes will be coming on Wednesday afternoons. This one um, a, a little bit later, but regularly they'll be coming on Wednesday afternoons during the season. And uh, for that, you will just search wherever you get your podcasts, FFSN College Football. That is FFSN College Football. Subscribe to the the channel wherever you get your podcasts. There's going to be so much great content on there. Uh, whatever you're interested in, if you want to hear action packed. We're going to be on Wednesday afternoons, but if you're interested in uh, instant recaps on Saturday nights, we'll have that. If you're interested in betting in college football uh, and the lines, we're go- there's going to be a podcast on that. If you're interested in the X's and O's, there's going to be a podcast on that. If, uh, if you're interested in the Big Ten or the SEC, there's going to be a podcast there. There is so much to be excited about in terms of college football and fans first sports network we're thrilled to get things going uh so please wherever you get your podcast subscribe to ffsn college football and uh new episodes of action pack coming to you every wednesday afternoon we're really excited to get this thing going uh for my co-host andy pregler i'm Corey cohen and we will see you next week right here on action pack on the ffsn college football network